This is the way to wonder. Welcome to the Money Better Podcast, brought to you by Union Bank and Trust in Lincoln, Nebraska. Get ready for an authentic conversation about how to do money better by making financial decisions that are right for you. Money doesn't have to be a scary topic anymore. Instead, let's get real about the lessons others have learned, then find ways to use those experiences to get it right. I'm your host, Caitlin Moore. Let's chat. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Money Better. This is episode five, and today we're going to be talking about money mistakes. And we had a brave volunteer from our bank decide that he wanted to tell a little bit about his story and what he's learned from that. Today, we have Michael Mead. He is a retirement customer service representative, and he's been with the bank for two and a half years. He is married to his wife, Brandy, and they have one daughter, Emma. So welcome, Michael, and thanks for volunteering to be here today. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited. Let's get right into it. Um, We're talking about money mistakes today. So tell me just a general idea of what your money mistakes were and how old you were during this period of time. Yeah. So it really started um, basically right when I left the house um, at 18 to go to school. The, The main money mistakes would be not really taking it seriously. And what that looks like is when you're not paying bills, when you're not putting any money away for any sort of emergencies, you get behind on everything, the unpaid bills pile up, you start owing people money, you start owing, you know, everybody money, businesses money, um, it hurts your credit. As I went down the road from 18, 19, 20, um, you know, I had more and more people who I owed money, more and more businesses just out of bad habits. Um, Okay. Were you working full time? Did you have consistent income? I was off and on, definitely Mm -hmm. not enough. And that's kind of the Another issue is I wasn't taking work all that seriously at that time. I was kind of just coasting through life and it had a lot of major consequences. And let's, we'll get to those because I definitely want to hear about those. So another question would be, what were your biggest influences or influencers to the mistakes that you feel you made as a young adult? Don't get me wrong. I had a lot of really good guidance um, growing up. Mainly I would put it on myself. I'm sure that for one reason or another, you know, somebody didn't give me the guidance I needed necessarily, but um, I would honestly, I, I would take most of the responsibility for as far as any influences go, I would probably put that on okay. myself mainly. Okay. So you mentioned you were 22 or 23. What was it that kind of made you realize I got to do something different? Um, it was kind of just something overall in general in life. Um, there were a lot of things that I had to grow up on um, and finances being one of the main ones. Um, a lot of the consequences start coming your way and they're, some of them are embarrassing. Um, so, you know, I had to move home. Um, you know, you can't pay your rent. Maybe you're mm-hmm. living with friends. I think that's kind of when I realized I had to um, kind of grow up and just start addressing it. It didn't happen overnight, but it was something I had to start taking on. So what were some of the steps you took in order to, to kind of tackle your finances? So it was definitely a long process. And when I started, I didn't really know, you know, everything I was going to try to solve. I just realized like one thing had to be fixed and then another thing had to be fixed. It's really the annoying cliches of every long journey starts with the first step, all of those things. <laughs> you just start taking responsibility for bills. You start working on things. Um, even if you're working full time, it's hard to have any extra money to pay off old bills. One thing that they obviously in, in banking, we talk about compound interest all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would say is that when you're making those kind of mistakes, you have compound consequences. So kind of the opposite way okay. where 
each mistake you make has has more consequences down the road and makes it more likely that you're going to make more financial mistakes. Can you give me an example of one compound mistake that you had to go through? Um, I'm not sure about a specific one, but I mean, if, if I don't pay a bill and then they start to uh, maybe down the road, they garnish my wages and then I have less money to pay my rent or pay my bills. Mm-hmm. then that's going to be a compounding problem that okay. just gets worse with time. You've realized in life that just you got to take a hold of a couple things and finances were a big one. Let's talk about some of the consequences that you dealt with just because you had you had not been paying your bills. And when we talked prior to this recording, I remember you saying that you didn't even realize how many bills you had because you just ignored them. And so you didn't even know what kind of debt you were in because you had ignored it for so long. When you're trying to get things in order, what did that look like for you? What were the experiences you had, even though you were finally deciding to take control and take action? Fortunately and unfortunately, what happened to me was my wages were garnished. And if you don't know what that's like, that kind of happens for you because there will be a case or whatever you want to call it. And then everybody who, you know, you owe money to, they all get in on that one case. So basically all of your, everybody you owe money to is in one spot. Now, obviously when your wages get garnished, it affects everything else, especially if you're trying to um, get your finances right. Um, You're going to have 25% less income to work on other finances, which even includes keeping up on new bills. Right. um, So the problem's not getting worse. So garnishment helped in one way in that it kind of centralized a lot of my issues for me, but at the same time, taking away 25% of my income um, definitely made it hard to continue to stay on track, um, even if it did help with the past bills. I mean, once you started going back to work consistently, you were losing 25% of your paycheck to these bills, Mm -hmm. but the the silver lining is all that debt was kind of rolled into one. You didn't have to worry about all these people or places that you owed money to, and it was being distributed out as it should. So you were getting, you're getting back on track that way. So how, how long did you deal with the garnishment? The garnishment probably lasted. It was off and on a little bit, but I think total time period is probably like three or four years. Okay. Was there any other aha moments or any other influencers that helped you kind of step up to the plate and, and take some control back over your finances? Yeah, I would say I had already started to kind of write the path a little bit before I met my wife. But when I met her, she's incredible with money. Everything, she does everything right with money as, as much as you can ask. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge advantage for me. Even though I was on my way, it probably would have taken me, I'd probably still be working on correcting it now. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas we've had it fixed for a few years now. So that was a huge advantage I had. Sometimes we just need somebody to step up to the plate with us and help motivate us to keep going. So, well, this has been very enlightening. Thank you for sharing your story, Michael. I do appreciate it. There's some vulnerability involved in that, but I just, I do appreciate that you are willing to come to the table and speak to young folks about just taking control over your finances, even if it's just caring. So thanks for being with us today on Money Better. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I am back with Kate Staus to share another money mistake story. So Kate, tell us a little bit about your money mistake, maybe the aha moment that you had that like, this is just not working and what you did to kind of fix it. And maybe even some positive outcomes that have come from it. Sure. Yes. Um, well, my money mistake drug on for years. (laughs) So early on in our marriage, someone recommended to us that 
you know, we should get some whole life insurance. Like that's just the bee's knees when it comes to investment strategies. And, you know, we were young and not super well-versed on the different savings vehicles. And so we trusted this person. We're like, okay. And we started converting some term life insurance into whole life. And um, that's really expensive insurance you know over the years a few times we'd run into like just little cash flow issues and had we been investing that money in the market um and not committed it in whole life insurance it would have been so easy to just like say like hey let's take half of that this month and put it towards this cash flow issue or like let's take a pause on this savings for right now while we overcome something or deal with some sort of emergency and then we can go back to saving when we're, when we are in a better position. Um, But we just, we didn't have that flexibility. And Mm -hmm. this came up a few times over the years. And finally um, in the last couple of years, it was just like, ah, that dang whole life insurance is just such a huge cash flow suck every single month. And we finally just, we just decided to cancel it. What are some consequences of canceling (laughs) whole life insurance? Oh, well, especially early on, most of your fees are going toward, or most of your pay, what you're paying in is going towards fees and the commissions of the salesperson mm-hmm. gets. And so the cash value of that policy is going to be much less than what you paid in. When you cancel long-term, you're supposed to get the cash value back. Yes. But early on, you're spending so much on fees that really almost like the principle of your, your policy just was low. Yeah. I mean, it's it, what we paid in versus what the cash value was that we got back with it. You know, we had taken a mm. loss because we had paid those fees, we paid that commission. But for us, we figured out, you know, with however many years we have left, it just, we would be better off investing in the market. Um, okay. and, and it's, you know, there's a lot of people who think that the market will beat whole life insurance policies a lot of the time. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's not a blanket statement, but mm. sort of depending on your situation, um, certainly investing in the market is a lot more flexible because you're not, you know, locked in mm-hmm. to that monthly payment. It's more of like a, a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely benefits for certain people. Like some people need that locked in for the accountability mm-hmm. of it, but that just wasn't us. And so, but we, we just decided, you know, like we're, we'll just take the loss for the future flexibility and Mm -hmm. the potential that that money could grow at a faster rate in the future um, in the market anyway. So have you seen that return? Yes. I think mostly it's just like a mental um, Mm -hmm. benefit to us of just having that flexibility and not being locked in there. Okay. We have continued to save um, in an investment account that money, but it's just, there's peace of mind knowing that like if something comes up, it's super easy to just say, Hey, like, like, let's skip saving this month or, and not be locked into that specific product. So um, as far as like the dollars and cents of it, it's going to take time for our, our current investments to grow. But I think that the the flexibility and the peace of mind that we have now is just mm-hmm. definitely worth correcting yeah. our mistake. Yeah. So to recap, your big money mistake isn't necessarily a mistake for everyone. It just right. was for you, especially when you decided to end that relationship with your whole life insurance. Um, you took a hit. You took probably a large hit to cash that out and and go a different direction. So there was a mistake in that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being back on Money Better and sharing your money mistake story. Appreciate it. My pleasure. 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Jason Hemingway. He's been in the financial industry for about 15 years, and he has volunteered to tell us his money mistake. So Jason, thanks for being on Money Better today. Appreciate you being here. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your money mistake? How old were you? What was it? You know, looking back on this is probably when I was either in college or maybe just out of college. Basically, you know, I had not received any sort of financial education. And so, you know, in high school, we didn't talk about credit cards. We didn't talk about it. My parents never talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. It was just never something that came up in, mm-hmm. um, in discussion. And so, um, you know, I, I was at a point where, you know, like a, I'm in a pretty relatable situation, I think, where a lot of young people, college aged or right outside of college, you know, are looking for help. Not only that, but then, I mean, going to, I don't know, any sort of department store and I needed some clothes. I wanted to, you know, needed something here. So I opened up a department credit card and then I opened up a couple other credit cards because it was so easy to open up credit cards. Yeah. And, you know, that was uh, really where that whole money mistake began was was back, you know, early or later in college, early, uh, early adulthood. I, I want to say in an ordered amount of credit cards, but, you know, mm-hmm. three or four, I think is what I had. It was just so easy. That's kind of part of my story too, is once you get one, you get all the offers. And so it's really mm-hmm. easy to get more. Right. Right. And you just don't, you know, I, I never, I didn't pay attention to it. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is magical. This is free money. You know, this is great. I can go out and buy stuff. <laughs> so question, when you opened up all these credit cards, did you have a stable income? So I did. Um, I, I was lucky enough to have a pretty decent job, okay. but opening up multiple credit cards, the income that I had didn't, obviously I couldn't pay all that okay. right away. What was like the aha moment that this just wasn't a right decision for you. I, I think once I started to realize, and I just started to learn and learning the hard way, you know, I mean, just mm-hmm. learning that I couldn't make these payments on time, um, getting the, once you get the bill, I mean, like, this is a bill. They're actually, oh, this isn't free money. I don't just get it and just use it. I have mm-hmm. to actually pay this back. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it took, um, it took getting those bills and they started to stack up and I started to fall behind um, to realize that, hey, this is pretty serious. And so I needed to learn, you know, how to take care of it. So there really wasn't an aha moment other than just maybe that first time I received all the bills <laughs> and went, oh, okay, I do have to pay this stuff back. It's not, you know, I just started to learn and I started to read because I didn't have any financial background at that time. I didn't have any financial education at that mm-hmm. point. Like what you're doing now is fantastic because it's very helpful. You know, I spoke to a lot of people, but I did have some friends that, that I could rely on, older friends, really people that have been through it and it's sort of to try to figure out and point me in the direction of how do I learn how to get myself out, out of this. And so literally, uh, one of the very first things I did in my mid to late 20s was to create a budget. And it was the first time that I had ever done that. So I went and got help uh, with a personal banker to create and set up a budget. And I remember how simple it was and yet how scary it was, right? And so, but how important it was. It was It's critical, you know? I mean, I didn't realize where my money was being spent. And I didn't realize, you know, what I had coming in versus what I had going out. Um, that was the first step is just to learn a little bit about credit cards, how it affects me, and then to start to uh, get a control over my finances by creating that budget. And so once I started to do that, really started to be able to figure out, okay, I can start to look at those things that I don't necessarily need, you know, and, and some of those things that I can maybe save money on instead of spending money. As you and I both know, I mean, when, you, when you're tackling debt, 
and certainly credit card debt, important to not only create the budget, but then to really start to figure out uh, what I can cut back on in order to uh, put that money towards uh, paying off some of that debt. And Kaylin, I knew it was going to take time. Everybody wants this to go away right away. And I think it was important for me to understand that this could take years uh, and sacrifices. And and mm-hmm. but if you really wanted to do it, if I and I really wanted to do it because I went to try to buy a car. And it was the first time I'd ever done this on my own and realized that my credit score was so bad that I couldn't even do that without a cosigner. That was embarrassing, you know, and that was, you know, I didn't feel like an adult when I had to go to my parents and ask for them to co-sign for my first car. Are you a credit card person sure. now? That's a great question. Yeah, I do. And I do for the simple fact, I feel like it's good to have open credit, but not use it. I keep those credit cards open, but I'm also always able to pay them off. Sure. So you don't spend more than you could pay off. Exactly. Yeah, important to have the money. Yeah. So you've paid off your credit cards. You have good credit habits. But what are some positive outcomes that came from not having this credit card debt? You know, other than the obvious being, quote, debt free, that peace of mind that comes with having that all of that debt being taken care of is a big piece, a big part of that. And of course, the higher credit score. One of the best things just for me, and this is my own personal situation, is just I, I was not a financial person. And so learning and really wanting to learn about finances led me down the path that I'm on now. I was so excited to, to create a budget and figure out, okay, this is real life stuff. This is how oh, I got to grow up. This is adulthood here. This is finances. And so yeah. it led me down a path that I became more and more interested in learning and then how to teach that to other people and to help other people. And that's really where my career path has taken me um, because of that, um, those early mistakes that I made. Well, thank you, Jason, for sharing your story with us. Yeah. I think it's a very relatable sure. story. Um, we're going to be doing a credit podcast in a couple episodes actually, and go into a lot of what you're saying, which is great. Um, so thank you so much for your time today and your story. Sure, always appreciate it. Thank you, Caitlin. Yeah. Welcome back once again. I am with Hannah Swan. She's been with our bank for just a short time and she's been married to her husband for a little over five months. She volunteered to talk to us about her money mistake today. And so thank you, Hannah, for being with us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So let's talk through your money mistake. What, what is what you consider your mistake? How old were you? Give us the background story. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, um, I just recently graduated, uh, from college from UNL with my bachelor's. Um, Mm -hmm. And so during that time, uh, there was a lot of running around trying to keep up with my schedule and everything Mm -hmm. that I had to do as a college student. So one thing that I tended to do was being tired at the end of the day would just uh, have a habit of ordering like takeout or dining Mm -hmm. out, that kind of thing. So relatable, not just for college students, but busy parents, people who even work from home, we just don't want to be here. So it's just easier to eat out. (laughs) It's so exhausting sometimes. Yes. Yeah. We didn't notice how much that the funds were starting to add up mm-hmm. um, until uh, the pandemic happened and everything okay. shut down, you know, so we only started doing um, uh, no contact delivery groceries, you know, sure. out just to be safer. Um, but one thing that really, really changed everything was um, back in July, um, my husband, my now husband, uh, was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes. Okay. It was only when he uh, was hospitalized back in July, just all of a sudden dropped, you know, that kind of thing, uh-huh. that uh, we were like, all right, we need to take this seriously. We need to change our eating habits. We need to change our lifestyles. You know, because uh, his his health has become a number one priority to us. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that was kind of an aha moment. In, very I mean, much. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that you were looking for that. It got dropped in your lap 
and you said mm-hmm. we have to deal at this point at the worst possible point. Yeah, you know, that was July in the pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. I had um, previously lost my job in the spring. I was recently graduated um, with no job at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was it was the worst time. So you just have to deal with the cards you get. You got. Yeah. Sometimes. So you've got this aha moment. You're reflecting on your finances at this point, mm-hmm. realizing, man, we're spending a lot on eating out, takeout. Mm-hmm things that we don't need to do. So what did, what were some steps that you took to change this? So one thing we did was just trying to uh, be better conscientious of how much we were spending on food versus how much we were. And then um, going with uh, no contact grocery delivery rather than um, takeout delivery, that kind of thing Mm -hmm. that really started to save us a lot of money. You know, beforehand we were living paycheck to paycheck, but now Mm -hmm. we had enough leftover to open up our own savings. So this was a significant change. Very much so. In a short time. That's Mm -hmm. pretty amazing. So you're learning to cook, learning to eat at home, what is right for his diet, especially. Mm -hmm. So you've changed a lot of your habits. And all of a sudden, you're not living paycheck to paycheck. Agreed. Yeah. That's crazy. That's probably a lot of money, a significant amount of money. So you open up a savings account. That's a huge positive outcome of this. Mm -hmm. What are some other positive things that have come out of this? My husband and I were thinking, well, we know you're going back to school in a few years. We know we want to have kids here in a few Mm -hmm. years. Why don't we just start growing this account Mm -hmm. now? before our children are even born, before I'm even ready to go back to school. Mm -hmm. So when that time finally does come, college savings won't be something to worry about. My kids will have uh, college savings already saved up. I can go on to get uh, more college education. And this has all stemmed from just uh, being forced to not order takeout or fast food or um, you know, two, three times a week, that kind of thing. So you're literally contributing to a college savings plan for you to go back to school or for your kids mm-hmm. simply because you had to take a step back and say, we're eating out too much and we need to correct this. I mean, you were forced into it with a medical diagnosis, but the changes you have made are significant enough that you're saving for college. Absolutely. Thank you, Hannah, for sharing this story. I'm sorry to hear about the medical diagnosis, but there is positive things that have come out of that and best of luck to both you and your husband. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Patrick Reese. He's been with our bank for 10 years. He is the branch manager at UBT on the UNL campus located in the Union. He's going to be co-hosting a couple podcasts with me in the future, which is why I'm really excited that he's here to share his money mistake story with us. So thanks so much, Patrick, for being here. Thanks, Caitlin. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great story. Talk about the monies and the mistakes that I made. <laughs> okay, well, let's just dive in then. What is your mistake how old were you? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So uh, I was 25 years old. And at this point in my life, I had just paid off my student loans. Um, okay. So just a just preface before mm-hmm. I go into the story, we won't go into the student loan thing right now, but I worked three jobs to oh pay off my student loan in about two and a half years or so. Wow. And so the moment I paid him off, I was like 100% debt free. Like I felt Yay. so much freedom, like the chain around my neck had been released. Yep. And then what do I do? I'm like, well, I have all this freedom now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go buy a car. And Debt for uh, debt. Sounds great. Yeah, so great I plan. Changed. Yeah, it was wonderful plan, right? 
It was great. I should have, I should have waited like a year. Um, I had an 05 Ford Ranger and it okay. was the one, it was the car that I had when I turned 16. Okay. Um, and it was, I mean, it was great. It got me from A to B. It had sure. rear wheel drive. I had to put sandbags in the back of the car during the winter. Great winter vehicle. Great. It was a great winter vehicle. Yeah. So great. I could get from A to B sometimes <laughs> when it snowed a lot. So, yeah. So then I just decided once I paid off my student loans, I was like, I'm going to go buy a good car. Were you still um, working three jobs? Did you just have this I, extra time, income that you could afford this at, new at car? The, at the time, I, I still was working the okay. three jobs. Yes, I still was working the three jobs. Um, so I decided I was like, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to I'm just going to go do it. Just going to yeah. go do it. Um, and so I did. And uh, that was my, that was my money mistake. Okay. But everybody needs a car. So we need a car. There was nothing wrong with you purchasing a car. You could afford a car. So what is the mistake? The mistake was, is that I had gotten this, I I was working so much with these three jobs that I needed to start like taking a little bit more time for myself. Um, And when I went to purchase the vehicle, I mean, it was a $27,000 vehicle. So I went from exchanging one large piece of debt to another large piece of debt, which I think is fine. But for me, I didn't necessarily internally like that. Like I, I I would have been okay driving my Ford Ranger for another year and saving up money so I could have a larger down payment on the vehicle, or maybe I might have the cash to buy the vehicle outright or something like that. But I just went from one debt to another. So when Um, did you realize it was a mistake? I realized it was a mistake when the uh, immediately when I drove it off the lot, when I drove that Jeep off the lot, there were two things that went through my head. The first thing that went through my head was like, oh my gosh, I just made my first big adult purchase by Adulting. Myself. Good yeah, job. Yeah. Like it was like, I just felt, I just felt like a contributing member to society. I, I was helping you know, I was building a future and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, this is so exciting. And then the second thing that went through my head was like, oh crap, now I owe $27,000 on this Jeep and I don't own it. Right. I don't own it. Good so, point. yeah. So I, um, so now I have to pay back the bank uh, for a loan. Mm-hmm. And I don't even own the vehicle outright. They have the lien on the vehicle. And I was just kind of like, oh no, now I have like four years to, 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 to make payments on yeah. something that I don't a hundred percent own. And that, that, that's what went through my head. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with having a car. There's nothing wrong yeah. with paying a car payment, especially cause you could afford it. Yeah. What did you do about this? Because you're so, defining this as a mistake. So what did yeah, you do? So the, the mistake was, so I define it as a mistake because I should have waited a year. I should have okay. saved up a little bit of money um, because I really didn't have anything really saved. Like the only thing I had saved was just basically a thousand dollars for emergency. Okay. Like that's the only thing I had saved. Okay. I didn't take the time to like breathe in between large debts. Sure. And I think that was, that was the mistake for me. I think okay. once, once I pay off a large debt, I have, you have to breathe a little bit before you go on. And yeah. Take you've off. worked three jobs. Exactly. Exhausting. Yeah. yeah exactly. would only be fair. So, so what I did about this was I was like, well, I worked three jobs to pay off my student debt. I might as well just work to just to pay this debt off again and just be done with it. But, but I did take, I did take a little bit of a step back. I decided to get rid of one of my three jobs. Okay. So you only um, worked two jobs. I only worked two. But um, you paid off 
your Jeep then? I did. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you? About two and a half years. Okay. So almost yeah. half the amount of time that you took the loan out for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. what is one of the positive outcomes of having done that? Yeah. So I well less interest that I paid. Yes, you saved money on I interest. Would, I saved about two years worth of interest there. So that's more money in my pocket. Yep. Um, and then the other value is that I now officially 100% own the vehicle. Like okay. my name is on the title and yeah. there's no lien against it. So it's, it's mine. Yeah. It's mine. It's, and that's exciting because mm-hmm. like, this is the first time that I own something that is, you know, physical, something that I can see, I can touch, I can, yeah. I can, I can sit in that is, that is mine. Degree is great because, but that's a piece of paper and it's like learning and stuff like that. So that's not something necessarily you can touch, right? But the car that's physical. Like you see it. I drive it. I drive it every day. I yeah. sit in it. I listen to music in it. I talk to people on the phone in it, you know, like it's mine. And yeah. that is so, so rewarding. Yeah. So the big question is you don't have student loan debt. Now you don't have a car payment. Mm-hmm. You going to go out and buy another car? No, this is no, I, I you learned your buy, lesson, huh? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to wait. If I am going to buy another car, I'm going to wait until I have a good amount of cash built up. So I don't have to get a loan for the entire thing. Okay. Um, or if I can try and pay it for it outright. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but I, 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 uh, yeah, so I'm not going to, I'm going to drive this, I'm going to drive this Jeep until it, till it, till it breaks down till I can't get from A to B anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to drive it. Fair I'm enough. Drive it. Yeah. Well, Patrick, I really appreciate your time and your story. So thank you yeah. so much. I'm really excited to have you on other podcasts in the future. So thank you so much for being with us today on Money Better. Appreciate it, Caitlin. Thank you. All we'll right. talk to you soon. In each Money Better episode, we highlight a community partner that is doing money better. Whether it is a nonprofit, a customer, or an expert in the field, our goal is to learn from their strengths and introduce you to resources that can help you do money better too. Featuring these people and organizations through our podcast is just a small part of UBT's larger mission to elevate the communities we serve. Our community partner segment is a little different today because it's me, your local financial coach and your host of the podcast, Money Better. As you all know, I'm Caitlin and I'm coming to you today to talk about money mistakes, but also the practical side of getting out of the mess that you might find yourself in. We've heard a lot of stories today about the mistakes people have made, and everyone you heard from today actually works in the financial field. So despite their circumstances, they've overcome and they've chosen to be in a financial field. So just let that be a little bit of inspiration that no matter where you are financially, it doesn't mean that it has to hinder your future. I've heard a ton of stories over the years, just from being a financial coach, working in the financial field, but also from friends and family. One close friend told me he used to eat out all the time and bought fancy wine. He's a sommelier, so he knows what he's talking about. But then he realized how much money he was spending on food, so he learned how to cook and actually finds a lot of joy in cooking for himself and others and now saves a ton. Um, This is a totally relatable situation for a lot of people. And if you feel like this is your vice, keep track of how much you're spending for a month on eating out. You're going to be surprised. I had another friend growing up that bought a car using a credit card. His interest rate was so much higher on his credit card than a loan would have been. Plus his payment now fluctuates with the balance changing every month. 
So he overcharged himself for the car and I'm sure spent years and years fixing this damage. I've met a lot of people that have been in a lot of debt and have horrible credit. But as we've heard today, there's hope on the other side of it. Like with Michael, he became aware of his money and stopped ignoring his debt. Though it was a long journey for him, the simple task of paying attention made all the difference in the world. And with Kate, she's become very careful who she takes advice from. Though at the time, the decision she and her husband made were right for them, they've then since decided it wasn't. And though there were consequences to changing that decision, they knew it was right for them, and in the long run, it will pay off. With Jason, he got educated. He started reading books, doing research, asking around, looking for advice. And with all that, he decided to change the way that he does money and his financial situation has only improved. And with Hannah, though it was a medical journey that motivated them to start a budget and stick with it, they had a lot of time to reflect on their spending habits. They realized they have an opportunity to save for things they didn't think that they were going to be able to save, especially in early marriage. And finally with Patrick, he realized that stepping back and thinking about large money decisions would have been best for him. He he went from years of paying off a large debt to diving right back into a large purchase, which caused a lot of debt. And he self-admits that if he would have just stepped back for a moment to decide if that was really what was best for him, he probably wouldn't have made that decision. So despite the money mistakes that you've heard today on the podcast, they have corrected their mistakes and there's valuable lessons that you and I can learn from. On a personal level, I can relate to these stories I hear all the time as a coach and all the stories that you've heard today. Nothing surprises me anymore. And I think it's important that you know you're not alone. Just a little bit about my story. I grew up pretty responsible and started working when I was about 16. I paid for everything. And by 18, my bank offered a student credit card with a low balance. By the time I went to college, I had multiple credit cards because once you open your first card, the offers start flooding in. But then I would find myself just paying the minimum payments with my paycheck and living off the open balance that I had with the cards the rest of the time. So what we would consider revolving credit was actually revolving credit done wrong. I had a lot of influences as to why I did this. One was from my roommate who was in a very similar situation during college. We would go out shopping, out to dinner. We'd take road trips to see family. We'd go shopping at the mall. Anything we wanted to do, we would, and we would encourage one another to do so. And I'm not sure why I was so susceptible to spending like I did, I think I was just trying to look like something I wasn't, and I allowed myself to be deeply influenced by peers. I was scared of missing out, so I just joined everyone, which took a huge financial commitment that took me years and years to pay off. I had thousands of dollars of debt when I got married at age 22. It limited us from a lot of things. I was a full-time student and I had a part-time job, but we could never get ahead. We didn't make enough to pay our bills because of those credit cards. And when I had to start paying on my school loans, we were really, really broke. When we moved from Nebraska, from Colorado, we sold our house and that's what got us out of credit card debt. And it was actually the day that I made those payoff payments that I decided I would never do this again. Working to pay off debt for years had been so hard and has been hard, but it's completely worth it. Living paycheck to paycheck and having nothing to show for it was hard. And now being able to go out and do what I want, plan a vacation, see a movie, buy some clothes, that's what's worth it. Paying with cash and staying away from credit is what's worth it to me. I have one credit card now, but I pay it off. 
I never spend more than I can pay off, but it wasn't always that easy. And if that's not something you have the ability to control, don't. You don't have to use a credit card. You don't have to be in debt. You don't have to live like that. And if you are, you can get out of it. So I want to talk through some steps that I work through with clients when I'm coaching them of how to get out of debt. Build a relationship with your money. And yes, this relationship is likely going to be a bad relationship at first, but it's a relationship nonetheless, and it sets the stage for where you want to go. Work with a financial coach if needed. Financial coaches are different than financial advisors. Financial coaches work at a basic level. We're here to build budgets, help you plug into the community for extra resources, but we're here on a very basic level. At the same time, pull your credit and find out where you really stand. There might be things on your credit that you can take care of right away, and there might be things on your credit that you had no idea about. But again, it's a baseline of where you need to go. Number two, build a budget. You heard Jason talk about this earlier. His first step was to build a budget. He had no idea how to, so he went and saw a personal banker at his bank, and they sat down and they built a budget. You have to know what's coming in and you have to know where your money is going. It often takes folks three months to have a pretty good budget. So if you find yourself really struggling for several months, it's okay. It's part of the process. What it means is you're actually really taking inventory of what your spending looks like and where your money is coming from. Don't panic if your budget is hard to do at first. It's just necessary to build one. And then make adjustments to your income as necessary. Change your budget. Maybe get a side gig if you don't have enough money coming in to cover your expenses. You also have to cut out what you don't need on your budget. Like I said, adjusting your budget usually takes about three months. So don't panic if the numbers are scary at first. It's a necessary beginning to a hopefully financial free life. So when it comes to debt, there are several things that you can do to help. So if you're one of those that are in debt and you've heard all these stories today and you're wondering, how can I be like them? How can I get out of this financial debacle I may find myself in, here's a couple steps. Contact each of the companies or banks that you owe money to and see how they can help. Oftentimes companies or banks will work with you to help you get back on track. They would rather do that than have to try to contact you or even bring collections into the picture. It costs them more money to use collections and to track you down than it is for them to just work directly with you. So if you find yourself in some money troubles, call the bank, call your creditors, see what they can do to help you. Continue to stay in contact with them also. Communication is key. So communicate, communicate, communicate. Pay collections debt as soon as you can. A lot of times collections agencies will actually settle if they're able to. So they might give you a percent off of your total balance that you owe. The worst that would happen is that they say no and you have to continue to pay on your debt, but it's worth the ask. There is a recommended process with collections if you're getting a reduced payoff amount, and that's to get everything in writing. Pay with a cashier's check if you're able to. Never give them your debit or credit card. And once you have proof of the agreed upon payoff amount, that's when you pay. So get them to put it in writing first and then ask for a receipt. You want everything in writing just in case, especially if they're reducing your payoff amount. If you ever have trouble with your loans, like your car loan or personal loan, call the bank. The bank only has a certain amount of time before they have to roll you into collections. So if you can hit that window of communication, it's going to be key. They can often help with things like maybe even changing your due date or refinancing. So it's worth the ask to see what they can do. From a practical budgeting side, there's several things you can do to help with your debt. I would suggest 
listing out all of your debts and how much you owe for each of those. I like to know as a financial coach what your minimum payments are because that's what we're going to put into your budget. Minimum payments need to be paid on time every time. If you have extra funds, that's where we're going to try to pay off debts faster. Once you have your debts listed out, order them from smallest to largest. Um, put the smallest debts on top the largest ones on the bottom. And then we're going to start paying them off in that order. There are two ways of going at this. You could pay them off smallest to largest, or you can pay them off from your highest interest rate to lowest interest rate. I'm particularly not a fan of doing the interest rate side because sometimes our highest interest rate is also our highest balance. And so it may take a lot longer to pay that down before paying off a smaller debt. So I like to go the route of paying off just your smallest debt first and going in that order. Part of this is because psychologically, we need to see that our hard work is paying off. So if we know it's paying off because we've paid off an, a debt and then we're gonna pay off the next one, we get some momentum and we get motivation to keep doing what we're doing. That's how I would suggest doing it. But if the other way with interest rates work in your favor, go that route. It might work best for you. And then just start paying things off. So you have your debts listed smallest to largest. You're paying your minimums on every single one. But if there's extra money in your budget at the end of the month, put all of that extra money on your smallest debt. Once that smallest debt is paid off because you're paying with extra funds, and your minimum payment, you're then gonna apply that minimum payment to your next debt. So really, if you never had extra funds to apply to debt, but you're paying the minimums, your budget will never change for the life of all of your debt. You're just applying minimum payments to the next one. And over time, you're building up a bigger amount of money that's being paid on a debt faster. As you get the momentum and depending on how many debts you have, as you pay them off, you're applying more money and more money to each of those following debts. When it comes to trimming your budget, call any providers that you have, meaning like your insurance company or your phone company. They'll often have deals that you don't know about. And when it comes to car insurance and phone companies, they'll often match or beat a competitor just to keep you as a customer. Now, moving on to credit, because we've talked about credit a lot today. I just want to encourage you to be informed. Get educated before you make any credit decisions. Ask your bank, ask your financial coach, ask people with experience and listen to what they have to say. Jason mentioned that a lot. He asked questions, he read books, he got educated prior to even paying off his credit card debt. He didn't know how to do credit right, so he researched and he figured it out, but he utilized the people that were experts in the field to help him. And I would encourage you to do the same. Just get informed. There are great ways to build your credit without a credit card. And we're going to be talking about that in a future podcast. So keep an eye out for that. One of the biggest things I've learned from others and through experience is really to take things slow. We live in such a bigger, better now society. Our now mentality makes credit seem easy and necessary when really saving up and paying for something in cash allows you the freedom to own your stuff. And Patrick talked about that. He hated the idea that he owed a lot of money for his car, but he really didn't own it. And that was one of the motivators behind paying off his car faster because now he owns that. And every time he sits in his car, he knows it's his. 
Plus paying interest fees makes things more expensive. So if you're using credit cards to purchase items, you're actually paying more interest on it, which means the item is costing you more money. So if you could just take a moment to look around for the best deal or to save up cash, the item will then be what it's worth rather than the extra fees that you're charging yourself. Finally, you're not alone if you're in debt. Sometimes we simply don't know what we're doing or we're making decisions we believe is right for us at the time. One thing I'd encourage you to do is simply start with a budget. Figure out where you stand financially and then look at your lifestyle to see if it's working. Like Michael said, he didn't care. He had no idea how much money he owed and to how many people he owed. So take a step back, look at your situation and get informed. If you have more questions about debt or how to get out of debt, feel free to reach out to me. My contact information is in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us on Money Better today. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. We've heard a lot of stories from a lot of people who are doing money better because of the choices that they made in their past and the moments that they said, enough is enough, it's time to change. So thanks for joining us today. Union Bank and Trust financial literacy materials, articles, guides, blogs, podcasts, and videos are for informational purposes only and not an advertisement for product or service. The accuracy and completeness is not guaranteed and does not constitute legal or tax advice. Please consult with your own tax, legal, and financial advisors. Member FDIC.